fellow swimmers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's podcast guest is Master Swimming Australia Mental Health Awareness Ambassador, Paul Bailey. Thank you, Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. It's nice to be here and meet you, Danielle. Yeah, lovely to catch up. Where are you um, checking into us from today? Um, I'm at Narrabeen in Sydney. We're in lockdown at the moment, but fortunately I was able to get out when I uh, woke up around about eight this morning and I, it's a beautiful day and I, uh, I was lucky enough to have a swim in the local ocean pool. Oh, lovely. Which ocean pool are you close to? North Narrabeen. Okay. And it's really, really clean. Yep. It might be a little bit chilly for a few, <laughs> but it was well worth it. Oh, that's good. Where do I you, think where... you saw a pic that I posted to Facebook today with the sun in the background. Yes, that looked lovely. Really yeah. nice. Where, where do you um, normally train when you're not in lockdown and pools are open? Um, I've got a, I train at a couple of different places. On a Friday night and a Saturday morning, since COVID's come into being, I've been training with a squad up at um, the Hornsby Pool, which is a bit of a trip for me. But prior to COVID, I used to train with a group with a coach down at a private school, Pittwaterhouse School. But since COVID, we haven't been able to train down at that pool because it is a school pool and it's very close to the pool. It's outdoors. Um, yeah, we're hanging in there, but I miss... We're all missing each other's company because they're a really, really fantastic group of people. Yeah. But as well as that, on a Sunday morning, I get to swim with my club, Warringah Masters. Okay. And um, I might do a couple of other sessions. But I nearly every day I go to the gym at lunchtime. Right. And then I have a quick dip in the ocean pool on my way back to work. Oh, nice. That's very nice. Yeah, Warringah Pool, that's the big 50-metre pool, isn't it? Sort of northern Sydney, is that right? It's Yeah, it's on the northern beaches. It's yeah. um, it's a 50-metre indoor pool, but it's normally configured as 225s with right. a boom down the middle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good club. Well, one of the reasons I got you on today was to talk about um, your amazing 10-kilometre butterfly swim that you just did in the last month or so um, as an ambassador for Masters Swimming Australia. Tell us a bit about how you got into doing a 10-kilometre butterfly swim, crazy, and um, yeah. what, why you did that. It's funny, you know, because I don't I don't see it as crazy. <laughs> really? <laughs> and whenever it gets mentioned, you, you get an obvious reaction of how do you do that. Yeah. But um, why did I initially do it? I think something, a penny dropped a couple of years ago because I think I've done about six now in the last four years. Right. And I was on the board of a local charity called uh, the Burdekin Association, which looks after youth homelessness. And when I was on that board, I began to realise the enormous number of youth suicides there were just in my local area. Like between Mona Vale and Palm Beach, which is probably only 10 to 15 kilometre area, yeah. 
in one 12-month period, there are a couple of dozen youth suicides. And it, I don't know, something just resonated, res, res, resonated in me yeah. that although I might be just one person and one voice, I wanted to do something not just to raise money for um, various char- mental health charities, but it was m- just as important to raise awareness of what was going on. And there was an added reason as well, just before my 21st birthday, which is uh, I'm 60 this year, so it was a while ago, yep. I did have a major mental breakdown myself right? and it did come out of the blue. Yep. So I guess from that point of view, I understand where these people are when they yep. get to those situations in their lives. Yep. So... When you when you um you had that background yourself, obviously, were you a swimmer at twenty one when this happened to you, or did you come to it later in life? No, I I only swam from about uh, age seven to probably age eleven as a okay. child. Yes, and then when I got to high school, I started playing rugby union, and then later on cricket. At the time of the, around the time of my 21st, I was actually a fairly, I was doing reasonably good things in Newcastle as a young cricketer, mainly as a fast bowler. I was playing top level cricket up there in um, when I was still in high school. Yep. So I was an active sportsman. I was going to uni part time and I was working for an accounting firm. Right. So looking from the outside in, you'd probably think that I was living a pretty comfortable and happy life. Yeah. And um, to a large extent I was, but out of the blue I just got horribly sick. Right. So you you can't think of anything that sort of any incident that sort of led it into that? It just sort of came on quite suddenly? At the time I couldn't, but as I get older and look back, yep. I think there were a number of contributing factors. Right. Um. From the from the from the age of say eighteen, when when you know most of us that or most people that were like me back then, and maybe still now, um, and you can first first get exposed to alcohol and going out, etc. I was probably unfortunate in that I had a capacity to be able to combine fairly heavy alcohol consumption and training and participating in sport. I was burning the candle at both ends. Looking back, I think that contributed greatly to yep. me having a major, what I'd call meltdown at just before my 21st birthday. Yeah. I think I became both physically and mentally exhausted. Well, it's amazing that you can look back at that now and know that what you went through and now you're trying to help other young people and, and people across the across the ages with what you're doing with your swimming. What brought you to swimming to, um, was that for your own mental health that you got back into the pool and started swimming? Uh, I guess it was around the time that I began swimming with Warringah Masters, which was around 2007, I had another incident. My father, my father died in that year, and um, I guess to a certain extent, I carried a fair bit of the. I stepped up to the plate in relation to eulogies and 
assisting my mother with coping with what she was going through at the time. Right. But I probably went for months without recognising how I'd been feeling. And over a period of probably three months, I was getting access through a doctor to, say, up to 15 packets of Xanax at a time. Wow. And, yeah. (laughs) that doesn't happen anymore. They're not allowed to prescribe in those numbers. Anyway, and I also had, in hindsight, I always had an alcohol addiction. And I spent 10 days in detox at the Wyong Hospital. And that was mainly to treat the Xanax withdrawal and get me off the Xanax. So you you just started with your master swimming then when this happened? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... The 10 days I spent in the detox unit at Wyong Hospital was probably the most productive 10 days I've ever had in my life. Why? Yeah, it's really interesting when I think about it and it's probably pretty and probably an interesting response when I tell other people. Yeah. But most people don't end up succeeding in those detox units and I heard that anecdotally from the nurses and the other staff that, that were there helping us. In fact, there was one guy there who was there for the 23rd time. But during that during that 10 days, we had a couple of hours free time every afternoon. We had our own private rooms. We had our own televisions in our rooms. But I just tended to look at the ceiling and I was looking at the ceiling and I just mapped out a plan in my mind yeah. of what I was going to do if I became tempted to go back to my old habits of alcohol consumption. Right. And I came up with a really solid plan. I, th- I consider myself really fortunate this, that this happened. Yeah. I consider myself really lucky. I was, it would appear as though I was given some skills that a lot of people haven't got. Right. And I was able to come up with a plan that has worked for me since the day I walked out of that place. What was the plan? Um, if I was tempted to do anything associated with consuming alcohol or taking drugs of dependence like that, I'd go and swim. Yep. I'd go and exercise. Might even just go and lie down and watch, the t- watch TV and relax. But I was going to do anything like that that I needed to Rather than, rather than be drawn back to the things that were really poisoning my mind. Right. So when you got out of the detox, were you back into swimming and exercise straight away? Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice really clearly for probably six months afterwards. Yep. The withdrawal from the Xanax is absolutely horrendous. It, on the first night in detox, I got, I got, I developed pretty good relationship early on with a couple of nurses that were working the nights there, just from a professional point of view, helping me. Yep. And they said they told me that first night that the withdrawal from Xanax is probably worse than withdrawal from heroin than heroin. Wow. And um, the physiological and the psychological impacts of the withdrawal, they definitely lasted at least six months after I left. That's, yeah. There was a, you see in the movies, and it's 
seems to be dramatised in the movies when you see someone going through drastic withdrawal from drugs, yep. say heroin, yeah. the shakes, the violent shakes and the just in, just intense tension. Yes. That is actually reality of my experience of withdrawal from Xanax. Wow. You're actually, they've actually got to prescribe Valium for a couple of days, at least a couple of days, to prevent seizure from the withdrawal. Wow. Yeah. Do they worry about the Valium then becoming an addiction as well? No. I was worried about that at the time myself, taking it. Yep. But it, it is necessary because evidently the danger of seizure, going through sudden withdrawal from those drugs, even alcohol, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and and because you because you're at such a, a low end physically and mentally, yeah, um, and you're at a pretty you you know you, you're at the bottom of the you're at the bottom you 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 can't go any lower anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really interested in in um, talking about how you have used exercise to improve your own mental health in, in doing that. And I, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you're, you've been able to, to swim to almost swim yourself into good health. Yeah. As I said, it was all part of the plan. But um, as, you, as the years have gone on, I've been really, really lucky in that I've got my own business and... I can choose when I take holidays myself. So I've been really lucky outside of, say, COVID maybe to get to travel around Australia, go to various sometimes state championships, say in Tassie, or national championships or Pampac Masters Games or Aussie Masters Games. I've got to know some really, really nice people. Yeah. And quite a number of them have been on your previous podcast. Yep. So... They've rubbed off on me yes. and inspired me. Yeah. So I've seen guys, people like Pat Galvin yep. and what they're doing at their age, and I could share stories that Pat didn't tell you about things I've seen him <laughs> do that have just absolutely amazed me. Yeah. And um, they've inspired me, and I've got, I've got a, uh, a plan every day where... I do something before I go to work, if it's, say, Monday to Friday, and of a weekend I do something in the morning yep. when I wake up. I give myself Monday to Friday something to look forward to in the middle of the day to break my day up. Yes. And of a night, I, um, I've i always liked, loved comedy, so I always give myself a, a bit of time of a night to watch comedies and have a bit of a laugh. Bit of a morning... I tend to drop into the local ocean pool because yeah. I find that's just a really relaxing, peaceful place for me. Yes. And during COVID in particular, I've got to meet some really like-minded type people who share the, share an enjoyment of the ocean like I do. Yeah. Uh, but I just find having a plan, giving myself something to look forward to three times a day is really good for my mental health and it yeah. probably is for others too. Absolutely. And doing these 10K butterfly swims, how do you prepare for one of those? Like give us a give us a bit of an idea of the training you do because you don't you don't just jump in and do 10K butterfly. What have you no. done to be able to do that? Um 
I guess the first one was the hardest. Yep. Because psychologically, mm. you've never done you've never done anything probably like that before in your life, so you don't know what impact it's going to have on you mentally and physically when you start. Yes. But the first time I did it, I probably prepared by doing a lot of butterfly drill work because I only really started doing butterfly at all in about 2007 and it was really, really shabby stuff. <laughs> Even now I can't sprint butterfly, but I can, I, I can obviously, I've obviously developed a stroke where I can go at a reasonably steady pace, not too quick, but a reasonably consistent pace for 10K. So all I had to do was, or what I thought I had to do, was teach myself a stroke that I could maintain. Um, so I just, I just try, I do a lot of single arm fly. Right. I watch, I watch a few videos of good butterflyers and say Michael Phelps tutorials and he talks about pressing your chest down and, I had a fair bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching from a guy who went to Delhi in our comp games team, Mitch Patterson. Right. I spent a lot of time with Mitch over about 12 months. I um, Mitch coached me every Sunday morning for an hour for probably 12 months. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. to elaborate a little bit, the first one was the hardest, but after I kicked down the door the first time, Yep. I've now found it's become, I won't say it's easy because I'm always quite tired at about the 7K mark. Okay, that's interesting. But it's just about hanging in there for mm. that last three. Yeah. Are you? Um, do you do a, a lot of kick before you do um, one of these swims, A lot of, or is it mainly um, arm drills? It's mainly, mainly single arm drill. But I try and focus on keeping my body height because I'm a big guy. I try and focus on keeping my body as high in the water as I can. Right. Because I'm definitely more a battleship than a canoe. <laughs> what does ten do? You, what does it do to your shoulders? How do your shoulders pull up after that? On one, on the first couple, I, I actually went past 10K. I did 15K on one and I did 12.7K on another. Wow. And when I did those, mm -hmm. I actually ran into Mitch. Mitch was walking into the pool as I'd finished one of them. Right. And I, I remember feeling my shoulders are as, you know, really, really tight, particularly at the back. Yep. But the one I did last month, I, um, I actually wasn't too bad. They were... Probably no worse than, probably not much worse than anybody after they'd done maybe a five k freestyle set at uh, at, a, at at squad training. Yeah, but I do have a couple of little tricks that I throw in apart from swim training to help me. What are those? Tell us. <laughs> I've got a really, really, really good massage therapist. Yep, and I get a really. Um, a pretty intense massage a couple, at least a couple of times before each of the swims. And then I'll wait a couple of days for me, my body to settle down a bit. Yep. And I'll have another one as well. Right. And I have got torn tendons in both of my shoulders. So I saw a physio about them for a period of time and I've got some uh, gym work that I do, particularly with weights and foam rollers. 
Right. And um, I'm pretty religious. If someone tells me to do this particular exercise once to help your shoulders rehab, yeah. I'll probably do it three times. I think that's a good way to be. <laughs> so from that point of view, there's probably a lot of commonality in some of the people you talk to on these podcasts. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Do you do a lot of um, activation before you you train or do those swims or is it mainly what you're doing in the gym? Um, I probably should do more immediately before I get in the pool. Yep. I should do more. Um. But I, I do do a lot of preparation before I do them. Yeah. I, I, real, I don't make a big deal out of it, but I know I've got to do the work. Yeah. People see me in my, the gym I go to at North Narrabeen. I'll give them a plug. They're great guys. Okay. Fresh Start Gym at Narrabeen. Okay. When I go there at lunchtime, there's probably only two or three other people in there. Okay. So I've pretty much got the place to myself and, um, yeah, just go about my business for a couple of months, getting myself ready. Yeah, I and have got one. I have got one very unusual thing that I do though. What's that? Outside the gym is uh, <laughs> it's almost like a road. There's a bitumen bitumen pathway outside the gym. Yeah, and it doesn't get used very often. But out the back of the gym are some sleds. Ah, we okay. load the sleds up with weight. Yep, and. Um, one day I had a brain explosion and I decided I was going to start loading the sleds up and push them about 30 metres and then do a shuttle run up and back 30 metres and see how long I could push those sleds for before I started to physically fatigue. Right. Wow. And after I did that a couple of times, I thought this is really good for training my brain and my body Yep. of how to push through when I start to feel really tired. So how many of those can you do? The sled pushes, shuttle runs back. It's become, become part of my routine now. It's probably, I probably within myself, I probably psychologically feel it more important than actually the swimming I do. And this, again, is about a couple of months before I do the swims. I start off... I don't know how heavy the sleds are, but they're made of heavy-duty steel. And for the first 20 minutes, I'll put um, 10 kilos each side. There's two poles that come out of, yeah. the, of the sleds. Yeah. So I'll push 20, 20 kilos on the sleds for 20 minutes. And then once I get used to that after a week or so, I'll go to 40 minutes. And after 20 minutes, I'll put another 20 kilos on. And about a week before the each swim, I'm pushing 80 kilos on the sled in the last 20 minutes and I'll go for 80 minutes. And between about the 60-minute and 80-minute mark, I know this is really silly, but I actually get quite dizzy. Do you? <laughs> and I feel like I, if I push myself much harder, I, um, I possibly could pass out. Right, probably not good. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but there's something sick about me in that. I, I quite enjoy the feeling, but I, I think I know myself well enough to uh, pull the pin just before that's about to happen. Wow, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad that you've got that awareness. But it definitely, it definitely gives you teach it gives you a bit of lactic. It, it give, helps you build up a bit of lactic tolerance for sure. 
Absolutely. And so average you, heart rates are up in the 150s for... Right. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's getting up there for your age. Yeah. yeah. So in the training that you do in um, leading up to one of these swims, how far would you go in a training session? How many K? I actually don't do that much distance. Um, I, d- I actually don't know what it is. I actually don't know why. I don't know why. But I, th- I think I used to be, when I was a lot smaller and a teenager, actually wasn't a bad middle distance runner or long, longer distance runner. So I've probably born with some aerobic capacity and to a fairly fair extent. I possibly I possibly don't need that much training to be able to operate for a long time at a at a at a speed that I can maintain. Right. I would find it much, much difficult yep. to do things like what our other friends on these podcasts are done. And that's <laughs> to be a, a to swim quickly over a period of time or a distance. Yeah. I can't do that. Right. Yeah. So you don't you don't have a, a favourite butterfly set to tell us? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah. I, I always uh, start off with single arm fly. Right. And that's just a matter of uh, concentrating on kick in and kick out. Yep. As... Um, my hand's entering the water at the front. I do a kick, and then there's a second kick as my hand's e- exiting the water. Yes. And that helps with timing. And then I'll change it a little bit, and this was just something that I got taught really, really recently, and it's really helped my butterfly a lot, or it's starting to anyway. Yep. And I think it might be a really good tip for people who want to learn how to get their chest down and what impact that can have in your butterfly stroke. Yeah. And this little tip I got about two months ago uh, from a lady coach I was training with was as my hands, single single arm fly, as my hands enter, exiting the water at the back, I actually look back and watch my hand coming out of the water and I watch it all the way over the top of my head and into the water and what it actually does, your chest just naturally falls down f- from from doing from doing that. So I'm now learning how to get more out of my butterfly by chest pressing the chest down and getting the bottom up, and it's got the impact of keeping me higher in the water. Yeah, well, that's a good tip. Do you swim any other strokes? I used to. I used to swim. Um, I used to swim, my preferred stroke used to be breaststroke. Ah, right. But um, I just, I don't know, there's something about butterfly that challenges me. Yeah. And I talk to other people who do it and um, it feels like it's a stroke that um, you never feel as though you're 100% conquered. So there's always something else to work towards. Ah, good challenge. <laughs> but people like Pat Galvin and a lot of my other breast, a lot of my breaststroke friends, they'll probably tell you they feel the same way about breaststroke. Yes, <laughs> that's true. So, how did Master Swimming Australia approach you to be an ambassador for um, Mental Health Month? 
I think they, I think ultimately they might have told me that I was, I'd been designated. Oh, okay. <laughs> they just became aware. I think so, yeah. Yeah, but I, I happily, I happily, and I'm really glad that I did. Um, yeah, I'm, I really appreciate giving the opportunity, actually. Yeah. Because there are some really nice things I can t tell you about the experiences I had doing that. Yeah. Well, please share those. What what nice experiences? Um, it was probably really fortunate that the May Mental Health Awareness Month coincided with the um, Panpack Masters Games yep. up in Cairns. And I got, got to meet some of your friends from your club up in Cairns for the first time. Right. Yep. And I got to meet, to, to see some old friends from your club and other clubs at that time. But the first day I arrived at the pool at Cairns, I actually had a very good friend who I've met from another state um, who was already at the pool when I arrived there early on the first day and he started to tell me about... I was already aware that he had, he'd had a fairly major battle with depression a, pr a few years prior. Right. Um, but he'd sort of relapsed and he was going through a hard time again. So over the course of that meet, yep. we had a really good chat about, you know, what he'd been through and what I'd been through as a young guy. Yep. And it was really, what would you say? I guess humbling in a certain way or de definitely humbling. But as we got chatting, I was able to tell him about things that I felt when I was going through really severe depression. And he was telling me how comfortably he was feeling to hear that because it obviously gave him relief that the experiences he was having then weren't, weren't unique to him. So sharing these stories with other people, particularly people who've been in the same boat with you, yeah. I've found really, really helps. That's great. That's that's amazing. That's it's great that you were able to speak to him and have that shared experience. And I think that's all you know. That's what it was all about having the mental health awareness month. And I'm so so pleased that Master Swimming Australia pushed that forward. That was awesome. There've been other discussions. Other people have approached me. Um, say, for example, we've got swimmers in Australia. Um, who were raised in other countries and during COVID they've had family members like parents pass away overseas and they haven't been able to go to their funerals yes. or see them before they've passed away. Yep. And that's had fairly, that's had that's had the kind of impact that you'd expect on those people and it's really important that we listen to them and about how they're feeling. Yeah. And, and with the swim and the push from Master Swimming Australia, that um, was linked to the Black Dog Institute. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely, yeah. So all the funds raised went towards that. What does the Black Dog Institute um, do? How does that help people with um, depression? Um, a lot of the mental health charities, including the Black Dog Institute, now have got a lot of... Um, really useful information about what various mental illness is and they've got resources there that 
um, assist people in understanding what they're going through. And they've also got resources to be able to communicate and put people in touch with the appropriate treatment or therapy, point them in the right direction, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's what I'd say they mainly do. Yeah. They give somewhere, they give the people a resource to, to not feel alone, that they've got somewhere to go. Yeah. Do they offer counselling services through Black Dog or they refer them on to other people? To be, to be perfectly honest, I don't know whether they refer them on to other people or whether they've got their own trained, um, yeah, trained people who do that. If I had to guess in my experience with other mental health charities, I would say they have got their own trained people, but I don't want to, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And just, I'm sure they've got. I'm sure they've got very the right, very very well trained people working for it. Absolutely, yeah. They've they've become much more prominent in um, Australia at the moment, and I'm sure there's similar organisations that people could um, could use overseas. I wanted to lighten the mood a little bit and just ask you, ask you. I know you've sort of travelled around Australia following a few masters competitions. What is what's been your favourite one that you've entered and and um, competed at? Yeah, it'll be good to lighten the mood a little bit. I'm probably not. <laughs> I'm probably not renowned around the. I'll call it the circuit. I'm probably not renowned around the circuit for being too intense. <laughs> I'm normally laughing with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, what have been my favourites? I really, I really enjoy, I really enjoy going down to Tassie. Okay. Because I've got a mate down there who's quite prolific down in Tasmania. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give a shout out to my friend Marchie down there. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Tassie. Uh, I love the Pan Pack Masters games in Queensland, and I hope I can go go up there again. I've already registered for the Pan Packs in November. Oh, awesome! And book my accommodation. But if I had to pick one, I'd say the Pan Packs in uh, Pan Packs in uh, Queensland. Yeah, on the Gold Coast in that beautiful pool. Oh, it's magnificent. Yeah. Yes, and so- it's a pretty chill carnival as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I travelled up with some friends earlier this year when we had a break from our lockdown to the Queensland State Champs up at um, Kiwana Waters and it was starkly <laughs> different to the way Masters Swimming Victoria sort of conduct a meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was much more chilled and it was just deck marshalling and um, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, uh, I loved the, the sort of the, the chill nature of the whole thing. I've had some of the best my best laughs in swimming in the marshalling areas up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Really really fun times. And what are your what are your goals with your swimming? Um obviously you want to go to the Pampax. Are you at all um sort of keen on FINA Worlds or World Masters games anything like that coming up in the next few years when when we can travel of course. Um when I travel when I when I've been out of Australia recently, I, I like to I like to go to visit. I actually don't. I probably won't go to a Worlds. When I go outside Australia, I like to um, see more of the places I'm going to than be stuck inside a pool. Yep. I'm um, 
I love going to all my regional meets in New South Wales. The um, and um, the Pan Packs Aussie Nationals in Sydney next year, which is going to be a great event. And yeah, um, yeah we got we got. I just love going to as many swim meets in Australia as I can. Yeah, I've been. I think a lot of us have been really, really lucky that we've become such good friends with so many people who don't even live in our own states. Yeah. We've all got lifelong friends in other states that we've yeah. met through swimming. Yeah. It's just something very, very special we've got about being able to travel in, travel in our sport. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's the lovely thing about master swimming. You you do make all those friendships and it's lovely to catch up with people when you go into state and um, go to different competitions. There are very, very, very few master swimming people who have got who have got an uh, an issue with ego. Yeah. They're all just tend to be really just really lovely, happy people. They do. Absolutely. And what I was going to ask was, do you do any open water swims? I know you swim in the um, the baths at Narrabeen, but do you do you out in the open water doing any races out there? Or yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I used to do more than I do now, and part of the reason for that is I'm really, really lucky. I'm a, I'm actually a patrol captain down at Manly Beach. Oh, okay. And Manly is absolutely sensational. Um, one of your guys down there, you, you probably know Brenton Ford down there or know of Brenton oh, yes. down there. Yes. Brenton has swam from Manly to Shelley Beach in Sydney, which is a well-known swim. Right. And uh, it's probably the closest thing we've got to swimming on the Great Barrier Reef in Sydney. Why is that? Is there lots of um, coral and stuff there? Yeah, yeah, yes. not coral, but um, it's probably only about a, uh, 150, 200 metre swim from the beach at Manly in front of the surf club to uh, the point at Manly and then across the point to a beach called Shelley Beach, there's a bay and it's a marine reserve. Right. And there's magnificent big rock ledges yep. and the most colourful fish you'd ever see, like, yep. like the Great Barrier Reef. Yep. And you'll see big blue grapers and from between about February and May... Yeah. You'll see um, little dusky whaler sharks. They're not Ooh, dangerous. Right. <laughs> and you can see up to a couple of dozen at a time at that time of year. Yeah. But it's just a spectacular swim to do. You just you swim across there. It's about, uh, about 800 metres each way and you just cannot imagine that you're still in Sydney while you're doing it. It sounds beautiful. One, one to put on the list. So you asked me about ocean swimming. Yeah, I do. I tend to actually uh, get involved in ocean swims more, assisting the swimmers as part of the on on water water safety. Yeah, but um, no, I'm lucky. I've got I've got Manly to Shelley Beach to do anytime I want. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. It's good that you're able to get out in COVID and still go into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky. That's it's still in my local government area. So if I wanted to, I could have gone down there this morning. Yeah. But just while it's what, just while it's uh, the number of cases are a bit high, I'll I'll, I'll try and just stick to my own domain and uh, exercise a little bit of self discipline for a while. 
<laughs> you you don't have like a five k limit. You just have to stay in your council area, do you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I I heard earlier it's gone up to thirty cases today. So yeah, yeah. yeah we'll see what because you're not really calling it lockdown though, are you? You're calling it stay at home orders. Yeah, yeah. Whatever <laughs> they want to call it. Yeah. It's very similar to what we did, but uh, we had a, a five a hard five k limit, and so yeah, right. for me, I, and pools were closed, and I'm not five k from the beach, so I missed out on all swimming during that time. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that a lot of people found that if they couldn't swim during the time, it really did affect their mental health. Oh, for sure, it did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a period last year where we had lockdowns in the, the Northern Beaches area where I am, and they did close the ocean pools. Right. And that, yeah, I, I can really empathise with how the people in, you know, your friends down in Victoria had felt when they hadn't been able to swim. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a, such a long time and it really did affect, I think it, it definitely affected me. I, I felt myself getting much more crotchety <laughs> when I'm yeah. not able to swim and release all that tension and get those great endorphins going through your brain. It, it really answers the question about is swimming important to your mental health, doesn't it? Yes, which I think it is. It definitely is because when it's taken away, we react to it. Yeah, I think I think so too, yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been a, a great a great chat and a really good insight into everything you're doing for our master swimming community. And I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your butterfly swims. And I assume that we're, we're going to get another one coming soon. I'm going to try and do between two and four a year for as long as I can. Awesome. Because I can't see the point in starting and trying to get a message out there. I won't do it to raise funds all the time because I don't think that's fair on people, but as long as we can just keep the message out there, I think that's the important thing. I agree. And I think you've you've sort of come onto the, the radar for, for people to know, okay, well, that is a bit of a check-in for me with my own mental health because you're promoting talking about it. And I think it's great that, as you mentioned, you, you chatted to that gentleman up on the um, at the Masters Games in Cairns. There's one other thing I'll say to you before I go. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's um, I, do have a, I do have a mantra that puts all this, puts all the swim in, these swims in perspective. Yeah. And the main mental thought before I start each one, without getting too deep about it, yeah. is um, when people are suffering from depression and a fairly, you know, fairly very ordinary time with mental health issues, they might feel like that. they're going to feel like that until they get treated with medication, etc. And sometimes that could take, unfortunately, that can take months. Right. I try and put it all into perspective and think I'm only doing this for five hours. Yes. And as Pat Galvin said so very, very well during his podcast, pain is only temporary. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. And thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. My pleasure. Okay. Hope to see you soon. Yes, yes, soon on the pool deck. Okay, take Good care. Night. Okay, bye. I wanted to give a shout out to some of our listeners who've left some lovely reviews on podcast platforms. 
Thanks to Doc Cat and Killer Shark 1972 from the UK and Daphne B1962 and Lethal Lee Apple from Australia for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy listening, you can also leave a review on Apple and I can shout you out um, on Apple or Stitcher and it really helps others find the podcast. Hope you're enjoying everything we're bringing to you. Till next time, happy swimming. 